He just took a few men up into the high mountains and they pursued uh, going deeper with the Lord with each other. And we're excited to have back as returning guest Tony Collins. Aloha. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Uh, Today we have, as our guest, Tony Collins. He's from Kansas City. I got to speak out there sometime in the last year to a huge men's group. It was really cool. Uh, Some really rugged guys out there and uh, love my time out there. In fact, I was just out there recently. My son graduated from the university there and he was, uh, I guess, Graduated with distinction with his master's degree and gave, uh, I guess, the student speech, as they call it. So it was kind of cool to be there. So Kansas invited us to come back out and speak again. Uh, but we have a, we have as our guest, Tony, he, he took uh, a group of men up to the mountains recently, and uh, we're going to figure out what happened there as they pursued uh, going deeper with God. Hey, I'm going to read a little bit from my new book, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue. My, my publisher, Servant Books, uh, told me, hey, you just got to do this. So... I'm going to do it. We've been getting a really good response, though, uh, as I've done this over the last few weeks. So we're going to uh, do it again today. This is kind of just jumping in the middle of my book, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue. It's about the seven virtues. And here I'm writing about fortitude. And uh, I'm going to, I, I, as I was writing this book, my, my publisher said, no, my editor said, no, you need to change this one sentence. I, I was writing about how I'd, I had pedaled my bicycle from... San Diego, from my son's ship in the Navy at San Diego, all the way across the United States to Jacksonville, Florida. And my daughter, by the way, was driving the escort truck across the country when I did that. And I was not a pretty-looking guy. When I pulled into the truck stops or whatever to uh, to get something, some fresh water or something, I did not look very approachable. But when people would uh, come up to me and, and ask me, so, so, you, so what are you up to? I saw you pedaling on the freeway. What, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm pedaling my bicycle across the United States. And they would say, well, well why would you do that? And uh, my response was to, to say, well, how dare you speak to me? <laughs> Actually, not true. I didn't really say that. But that was what my book said. It said, when people come up to me and say, why would you do something like that? I would say, how dare you speak to me? And they said, they didn't like that. I had to change the writing slightly. So this is the way, it, this is the, way the book sh- says happened. People would often ask me along the way, why? Why would you endeavor to make such an incredible journey? You want to know why? I'll tell you why. The truth is that I learned a great deal about fortitude over the course of those 2,500 miles. My daughter Fawn and I started with a vision, developed a plan, and ultimately proved our ability to stay the course no matter what the odds. The reward for that adventure was not just at the end. When we pedaled onto the sandy beaches of Florida and dove into the cool waters of the Atlantic Ocean, it came moment by moment, mile by mile, pedal stroke by pedal stroke. We knew we were accomplishing something special. Not only were we raising money for my friend who has lupus, we were also growing in respect for each other as we worked together to accomplish what seemed like an insurmountable goal. By keeping our eyes on the Lord and on our goal, every breath became a prayer for God to provide us with His power, grace, and His endurance. At first, we tested our limits, then we pushed our limits, and finally we broke through our limits. Even when my daughter had had enough of driving the escort truck and wanted to quit, she stuck with it, knowing I could not complete my journey without her. In the most difficult moments, love for me fueled her fortitude. The virtue of fortitude has an accumulative effect on the quality of our lives. When we build it into the foundation of our life, it begins to build us, providing strength we never knew we had. Getting up one hour earlier to have prayer time, staying on task to work or in our studies another 10 minutes, or seeing a task to completion, it constructs a solidity in our soul. The sheer act of sticking with it, of seeing something through, reveals triumphs of the heart and mind that have a lasting impact. It is exciting, really, to see each mile marker pass and know that we are accomplishing something God set before us. It is fortitude that guides us towards our goal of hearing God say, Well done, 
good and trustworthy servant. I just want to talk to you right now, those of you out there that are up against it. And we all are. Let's face it. This is a life of adversity. Every one of us is Rocky Balboa. Every one of us is up against uh, a life that is full of challenges. A lot of those challenges we didn't choose. A lot of those challenges came to us. But some of those challenges we did choose. Some of those challenges we took on. We took on something more than we thought we could do. And so we had to grow and we had to change and we had to become more like Jesus to accomplish those goals. But I wanted to tell you, in the midst of this adversity, don't lose heart. Because God is stripping you bare of all the excesses. Fortitude and adversity tends to get rid of the excesses. When I finished my bicycle cross ride across the United States, I guarantee you I had very little extra uh, fat on my body. It, the adversity that I faced and the fortitude that it took to face it got rid of all the excesses. So during this time, when you're experiencing some really hardship and you feel a certain brokenness, carry on. God has not abandoned you. God is with you. And he will turn all of this to the good. And you don't even know how. You may not see it now or a week from now or a year from now, but when you look back on your life, you're going to go, I understand all that God was doing through that difficult time in my life. And pray for each other. When you feel up against it, pray for those around you because you know they're struggling just as hard. And I know the Holy Spirit says, it is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And in this ministry, time and time again, we've relied on that scripture verse. You guys, I love you. You can go to my website, deepadventure.com. You can order the book, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue. We'll be right back with more of Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. This is Bill Snyder at PatchworkHeart.org. And when I'm not too busy tying my shoes, I listen to Bear Wozniak and Deep Adventure Radio. Look for a special EWTN bookmark coming up on Sunday, October 30th, when I interview from Rome Raymond Cardinal Burke on his book, Hope for the World. Major political figures say that when you're inside the four walls of your church, you can do whatever your faith teaches you. But when you step outside, then you have to conform to whatever the the government policies are. When people hear this and think about it, then they realize that there is no religious freedom. Cardinal Burke, Sunday, October 30th, on a bookmark special. The EWTN home video highlight for October is the 2016 EWTN Family Celebration. You'll laugh and cry as some of your favorite hosts share the life and legacy of Mother Angelica in this powerful four-disc collection. Order your DVD set at EWTNRC.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or call 1-800-854-6316. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. This is your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Uh, I'm talking with a friend of mine, Tony Collins, uh, from Kansas City area. Hey, Tony, I have a confession to make. I was there, I was there last week Uh-oh. in Kansas City. But you were up in the mountains somewhere, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah, but we, we could have took care of you one way or another. You know what? I was at the end of this, what I would call a, uh, an expedition. I spent five weeks in Hawaii, which, of course, was horrible. And then I came home for two weeks. And then I I ended up having to go to all kinds of different family things. So I started in Kentucky, drove to Chicago for the Catholic Marketing Network group there with the book, all the book publishers, drove to Minneapolis to see my family, where a bunch of them live now, and then drove down to Kansas City when my, where my son graduated. He went to Grant them the the online military school there he got his master's degree he was he was the main speaker but by the time i got to kansas city i just wanted to collapse so i just kind (laughs) of hid out there and uh took the the last flight out to get to get home so but when i was in kansas you were in colorado uh what 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 the heck were you a flatlander like you doing over there (laughs) well we actually went on a bear wasnick style adventure um uh, you know, uh, I run a ministry called King David's Rock, which is an anti-pornography ministry uh, that seeks to 
do things to push back on the pornography industry. And uh, we were doing a fundraiser out there, and the fundraiser was guys that wanted to go, um, uh, you know, help raise funds. And we went and summited a, or made a summit attempt on a 14,000 foot mountain called Mount of the Holy Cross. And um, it started on the whiteboard about six months ago. It's actually been a dream I've had for a long time. But uh, Was this a nightmare? Um, a nightmare you were having? Or was this... <laughs> Did you start at 13,950 feet on this mountain? Or... Okay, no, no, but... no, see, to qualify as a, as a 14er, <laughs> to check it off, you know, there's 53 summits in Colorado that are over 14,000. And there's actually a, a select group of people that have done them all. And but to do it, you've got to at least gain fourteen thousand or four thousand feet um, in altitude by foot. So this became a five-day backpacking odyssey, and uh, to put ourselves in a position to summit this mountain. And uh, the unique thing was to make it a fundraiser is we'd invited a couple of priests to go along with us, and uh, they looked at, took a look at some of the work that we're doing and uh, liked the work we were doing, and said, "Yeah, sure, we'll, we'll help you raise some money." So. They agreed to come along with us, and so the plan all along was to say mass on top of the summit. So that's kind of the, the backbone of it. So, so you say there's this select group of people that have climbed how many summits? There's 53 that are over 14,000 feet within the state of Colorado. Well, how do you even know and, this? Why, why is that important? Why does Tony Collins know that? Why is that important? <laughs> I mean, and who is this select group of people? Are they, are they people living in an in, insane asylum? Or? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, well, there's a website you could go to to, to verify it called 14ers.com that really is where the community kind of lives and breathes and communicates with one another. And uh, I would say the majority of the people live in Colorado, but uh, people that just like mountaineering, there are some that vary in difficulty from a day hike where you park at, you know, 11,000 feet and walk to the summit. And there are some that are class five technical, you know, mountain, you require mountaineering skills to do it. So this one that we did was a class three. But you're a, you're a flatlander. I mean, you live in a two-dimensional world almost, you know. I mean, you're in Kansas. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, what, what elevation is Kansas City? Do you know? Do you know? Negative five. I don't about, know. Yeah. So, so what a it's huge. About... <laughs> so what a huge. What, so what, what? I want to get. I want to backtrack a little bit after I ask you this question. But what level did you guys start uh, packing in at? What level did you guys park your white? Uh, what is it? A Chevy? What are you driving these Dodge days? Dodge truck. Yeah, big, no, well, your we white did, big Dodge um... truck. What what level did you park that at? <laughs> we started in the vicinity of about. Into I think it was maybe maybe nine eight somewhere in there. Um, you got to remember we did a five we did four days in advance of the summit attempt, so we we kind of did a circumnavigation of the peak itself and uh, and, and acclimated. That's one thing that's really important to do. Yeah, that's what I was gonna, dealing with that. That's what I was yeah. wondering about because you just can't come from negative five feet yeah. to ten thousand feet. You're going basically ten thousand feet is almost two miles, and then you're going to go up nearly a mile. Uh, yeah. From that, so. the um, and you know we started uh, you know I know we're kind of bouncing around but we started six weeks in advance doing some training hikes where guys would show up at my office and we would go out to the parts in Kansas that do have elevation and do one two three hour training hikes with a full backpack. But what do you mean by and, elevation? I was just there and I went to a park and I didn't see any elevation. <laughs> I mean, it's about 200 feet, 300 feet at the most, right? Or No, there's a couple that are built on the cliff, some, some bluffs, uh, river bluffs. Oh, so 350 get. feet. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> what you got to do what you can do. We had guys that were biking, guys that work on their ellipticals. Uh, you know, the other neat thing, um, and not a ton of guys do this. I, I personally did this, but... They said Olympic trainers now, they'll use um, oxygen deprivation masks to train with um, to increase their lung and breathing capacity. And they also work really well to uh, acclimatize for altitude. So well, I've got one of those. They sell them at sporting goods stores. You just wear them. And so it just cuts off your airflow, both ingoing and outgoing. And, That's uh, just so pleasant, Tony. And 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 you're doing this with a fifty, <laughs> and you and and you're doing this with a fifty pound backpack. And not only that, but you convinced other people to do this with you. 
yeah. how, how many we people? Took Eleven other guys. Yeah. I mean, you you could so. you could uh, basically probably evangelize anybody if you can talk people into <laughs> carrying fifty pound backpacks while being oxygen deprived. <laughs> Up uh, bluffs. Let's go for a, uh, a hike, and you end up going up the bluffs of Kansas City, and then you end up going to ten thousand feet and assault a, a summit at fourteen thousand feet. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> and they got to pay for it. And yeah, and they, <laughs> Tony, brilliant. So I could just see you at this white chalkboard with the red ink, you know, going, "How can we raise money f- to fight pornography?" I know what we'll do. So no, seriously. So uh, you had this eleven group of guys. How many guys started out uh, saying they were going to do this, and how many actually did it? That's a great question. We did. We started with eleven men, and uh, actually ten out of eleven summited. Um, we had one guy. He's a he's a doctor. Actually, he um, he developed a real serious case of inner ear, and um, he uh, he got to around twelve five on our summit day, and uh, just couldn't stand the pain anymore. The pressure was too much in his oh, head, yeah, so he had can, to turn around and go back. No, that the um, summit that can just just be so painful, you know. Mm-hmm. But usually, so I, besides I, him, we had other guys. There was, we had a guy that's almost sixty summit. Um, he's an aerospace engineer. Engineer, uh, a couple of other guys in their mid fifties, and uh, what really made the difference to be able to summit was the couple of days we spent earlier, just really you know kicking our butts on these difficult trails, you know, gaining elevation. So um, it wasn't all in one day for sure. That was very but, wise. Um, That's very prudent. You know, uh, the whole yeah. approach that you took to it. You know, we always say that the virtue of prudence. By the way, this is a good chance to talk about my book, Deep Adventure: The Way of Heroic Virtue, <laughs> my new book on the virtues, but. You don't need prudence if you're just going to sit in your couch and watch football all day. You need prudence if you're going to be bold and if you're going to be adventurous. And so you prepared. Mm. Uh, you prepared before you went. Uh, you probably had a full checklist of what gear you were going to bring. And sure. then when you got there, you took four days to uh, you know acclimatize. Now, what made it, you, the name of this mountain is is so cool? What 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 made you choose this mountain? That's a, another really good question. The Mount of the Holy Cross um, was named, I think, in like the 1850s. But in mountaineering terms, they have a word called a kalur, which is a fancy term for a big groove. And in this mountain, there's a 2,000-foot kalur in the shape of a cross so that when all the other snow melts off the mountain, this huge white cross just jumps out of the granite. And if you Google Mount of the Holy Cross, you'll see a thousand images of it. It's just this fantastic image of a giant cross on the side of this, you know, really big mountain in Colorado. And so when we started putting this trip together thinking, all right, there's no other mountain we can go to and say mass on top without considering Mount of the Holy Cross. Now, it was it's the tenth hardest mountain in Colorado and so for a bunch of flatlander, big belly, you know, buttercups like us, it didn't make a lot of sense to start there. But my really good friend Paul Carr, who's also an engineer, he's always saying, We're gonna take the long way, you know, we're gonna do it the right way, the hard way. And um he's he's a key architect in the experience, so we we decided let's go for it. So uh, we put it in God's hands and said, let's do Mount the Holy Cross. Now tell me, on this experience uh, leading up to it, or maybe you didn't really begin this until you started it, but what type of uh, times of prayer and uh, just talk stories we're seeing in Hawaii, did you guys find your, did you find opportunities to go deep with each other and deep with the Lord? Oh, man, that was by far the best part. You know, you've you've done this a lot of times. Anytime you get men together in the outdoors, they come awake. They really do come spiritually awake. And you add fire and waterfalls and anything else that men naturally gravitate towards. And it's you really don't have to do much. They just naturally start opening up. They naturally start sharing. Um, We did build a spiritual program each day around the daily readings. And uh, remind me maybe in the next segment to tell you just a miracle that happened regarding those daily readings. But, um, so we just built all these, these conversations and talks around the daily readings. And so we'd open up each day, we camp near a river every morning and we would build a chapel, we'd build a cross, we would ordain and ordain the space. And then we would just have prayer and we'd read the daily readings and share. And then we would start each day with a question. And as the guys are backpacking on the trail, you know, they would ponder that question in their hearts as it applied to their own life. And uh, then whenever we'd stop for breaks at lunch and then especially at dinner around the fire, 
guys would really open up and share how they dealt with that question. So, you know, Tony, um, I'm going to really make you upset now. You know, we got this new reality show for EWTN called uh, "The Long Ride Home." Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's <laughs> and there's no more openings, but. I know you're gonna hate me, but we're gonna do this. We're gonna do something very similar, and I think men, you don't have to come to one of Tony's events or one of my events. You can just do it yourselves, uh, you men out there. Do this, but we're what we're doing is we're doing the same sort of thing. We're we're uh, doing a ten episode series called Rolling Thunder, and we're gonna ride Harleys or or motorcycles from Houston up into the Big Bend country. And we're going to be talking about prayer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and it is true. Once you get guys out of their, you know, outdoors, I think is really critical. Once you get them outside sure. and in the elements, uh, they feel the rawness of nature and the kind of the rawness of their own soul. And they're able to open up and, and dialogue. So, um, so to tell, you know, you said that you're going to be sharing the next segment. What was that one, that one of the miracles you said happened in the, on that trip? Well, you know, there were there are a handful, but um, specifically regarding the, the spiritual content, you know, we 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 titled this trip the Transfiguration Trek. Um, I was, was thinking uh, about that. You you guys, I was thinking about that. You're going to go up there and build some uh, tents like Peter wanted to do, right? <laughs> I was thinking that's it. Yeah, but but I know the reason why when you get to the top, Tony, I know you go. This is a great place. Let's build a tent. It's because you were too lazy to have to go back down the same day. Right? <laughs> Yeah, because the lightning is going to get it. Um, okay, well, yeah, tell us about it. Actually, tell, yeah. the lightning is the most dangerous thing you face when you're doing that kind of mountaineering. You have to time, position yourself and time the, the summit to be down by lunch, by noon, because in, in the afternoon, these afternoon thunderstorms start boiling up. And if you're up there above 12,000 feet when there's ele- when there's lightning, you're you're pretty much going to be a pop tart. So uh, <laughs> there, you don't have a lot of chance of survival when you're the tallest thing for two thousand. Well, uh, maybe around. a hot, maybe a hot pocket would be. Would, so, <laughs> right. so 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 what happened? So what we called it, you know, um, and again, my buddy Paul Carr, he was he's really a creative guy, and, and he said, you know, well Jesus was always going to the mountain to pray, and. Uh, he pulled up the train mount, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration story and talked about transfiguration. So we started just like, what does it mean to be transfigured? And in that story, you know, Jesus shone like the sun. His his face became white, and we we really were like. You know, as Christians, people should be able to pick us out of a crowd if we're doing it right. They should be able to tell by our physical continence what we look like, that we just exude joy. We should be transfigured, you know, if we're, we're, we're living out our faith in a way that Jesus calls us to. And so we played with that idea for a week or two, and then that's what stuck, was Transfiguration Trek. We're going to see Jesus on the mountain, and we want to become transfigured like Christ. And because it is such a physical undertaking, you know, it's the equivalent of doing a half a marathon, our physical bodies are going to be transfigured, but but also this closeness with God, this encounter with God on the mountain will transfigure our spirits as well. So we went with Transfiguration Trek, and um, it kind of stuck. So we put that on all of our literature, we put on our shirts, our billing, and we called it Shine Like the Sun, okay, and spelled sun, S-O-N, S-O-N, Shine Like the Sun. Bear, this is a true story. <clears throat> this is two, three months in advance of this of uh, this uh, this experience. We go, you know, a couple of weeks before we dig into the daily readings, and uh, we're summiting on Tuesday, July 26th. Going to say mass on Transfiguration Trek, shine like the sun. We're going to say do you know, all these things, and lo and behold, Tuesday, July 26th. You can look it up. The daily reading for that day was Matthew thirteen forty three, and they will shine like the sun in the kingdom of heaven. And at that point in time, we knew God was with us on this trip. No matter what happened, if we're dropping guys off of two thousand foot to lures, whatever goes on, we knew He was with us. And this and is so, this this is the thing, Tony. Um, I want the men out there, everyone out there, to listen to this. Right now, there are people out there say, "Man, I really wish I could go do I could do something like that." Well, then do it. It exactly. only takes Amen. two. It only takes two <laughs> men. 
to uh, to come up with this sort of foolishness to attract another dozen men to go do this. Uh, you do it. You know, you know, the Holy Spirit will do it with you. Um, you know, you know, Tony, I got to tell you, this book, this new book of mine, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue, it's, it would yeah. be a great book for people to take with them on a trek like that and just read from it, you know, and then and, and sure. discuss it. We're talking with Tony Collins. Um, he's a little bit of a wimp. You know, I, I, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to bring him along, you know, slowly into his masculine spirituality. Uh, but no, this guy's a hunter. He's a tough guy. He, he uh, trek to the top of this 14,000 foot mountain and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about about that when we get back. Uh, This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. International Deep Adventure Radio. Hello Journey Home family. Next time we'll welcome Paige Murray, a former Presbyterian and non-denominational who will share what led her to come home to the Catholic Church. Share the journey next time on EWTN's The Journey Home. Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. The Journey Home with Marcus Grodi is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. Join us Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. The EWTN Book of the Month for October is Graceful Living, Meditations to Help You Grow Closer to God Day by Day by Jeanette Benkovic. This lovely meditation book is a day-by-day spiritual resource that will enrich your mind, lift your spirit, and feed your soul. It's available through the EWTN Religious Catalog web store, EWTNRC.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, or call 1-800-854-6316. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak with DeepAdventure.com with a Deep Virtue segment. I'm actually recording this here in Cocoa Beach, Florida. I was standing out on the pier the other day, and this monster bird comes and lands right next to me. It's a pelican. You know, it's kind of walking, kind of waddling along the, the pier, and it's just like, what an ugly-looking bird. But have you ever seen a pelican when it soars? You know, pelicans, it's almost like they surf. They, they'll glide along uh, just with the upwards draft from the wind coming over the waves. And their feathers will reach out and they'll just kind of almost caress the face of the wave as they're surfing. And they look so elegant and so beautiful. And then they'll be flying higher overhead and then they just kind of fold their wings and they just dive straight down and they're able to get, you know, a fish for, their, for that, that night's dinner. Pelicans are ugly on the land, but beautiful on the sea, beautiful in the air. And, and that, I think, is a lot like me. It's a lot like us. You know, when we are soaring and when we're flying and we're kind of have the updrafts of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we look beautiful. You know why? It's because we're showing people the, the air. We're showing people the wind. We're showing people the invisible. That's what the pelican does when it's soaring along that wave and its feathers are just almost touching the wave. It's showing us that, that there's air, that they're flying on air. And so we may be in our natural state, maybe not all that beautiful, maybe not all that graceful. But when we move in the power of the Holy Spirit, when we spend time with the Lord, when we spend time reading scriptures, doing our liturgy of the hours, going to mass, and just in silent meditative prayer, that's what gives us our lift. And when we fly, people will see us and they'll go, oh, those people, that's beautiful. Look at what they're doing or look how great that is, what, what they're doing and accomplishing, but they may come to realize it's not them. We're revealing to them the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. Until next week, this is Bear Wozniak with Deep Virtue Segment. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at deepadventure.com. Wax up your boards. Let's paddle in for another wave of Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Ministries. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak, and my co-adventure guide today is Tony Collins. I cannot believe it's I've taken this long to get Tony back on my show. He's a, he's a great guy just to hang out with. He, he definitely lo- loves uh, God. He's sold out to Jesus. And... Uh, he thought it would be a good idea to take him and a, about a dozen other men uh, and, a, and a, attack the summit of the, I guess it's the Mount of the Holy Cross, one of the highest mountains in Colorado, over 14,000 feet. And while they were there there to just go deeper with God. Uh, but, Tony, you were doing this as a fundraiser for your ministry. That's right, yeah. Yeah, we... Um... King David's Rock. We've been we've been around now for coming up on two years, and uh, we're just to the point now we've started to try to raise money. But one of the the key things we've had uh, in development for a while now is a mobile app called Temple Guard. And as you know, there there's quite a bit of, of tools and options for guys that, that are dealing with pornography in their life. 
to prevent them from accessing pornography, whether it be Covenant Eyes or Triple X Church or K9 or any of those other software products that, you know, kind of limit their devices. But what we've really been thinking about and working on are what are some answers for guys who are already there who may already have a, an addiction and solutions. And so um, we came up with a, uh, with a concept called Temple Guard, and it's all centered around the, looking at the body as the temple. And, you know, we, we reverence the temple in our church by kneeling. We reverence the temple in so many different ways in the Catholic faith. And, you know, we don't receive communion when we're not in a state of grace because the body at that time is the temple of God. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we started looking at how do we, how do we say that to a man every day? How do we encourage a guy to think about his body as the temple every day? And so what this app does, is it um, sends a guy a daily text, and he opens the text, and up pops an archery target that has all these different colors on it with white right in the center, and of course, white represents Jesus. And each one of these colors represents a different level of behavior that he might have achieved the prior day. And it captures metrics that support purity and uh, just encourages them each and every day to incorporate prayer and fasting and exercise specifically as tools to deal with pornography, um, in addition to a lot of other things. But that's really the crux of it. You know, I love that. You know, the the word for sin, I'm sure you know this, in both the Hebrew and in the Greek is an archery term, meaning to miss the mark. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, I, this is different. I know you, you hunt with arrows. Uh, when, right. you, when, when you're shooting an arrow at a, at a, st- at a, at a target, uh, you, I mean, it may be a moving target. It may be, you maybe have to adjust for wind and distance, but you aim, you have a specific place you're aiming. And, uh, and if you were to, you know, aim or look out, if you were held your bow, but you were looking away from your target, chances are you're not going to hit your target. And so, you know, I, I tandem surf and I was, I was surfing the other day and it's a very extreme sport. It can be very dangerous, uh, you know, especially for the women. Because I'm lifting them over my head and really, like they may be doing the splits or something, very athletic type lifts. And I was, I was tandem surfing and a tandem surfer, I mean, I, I can tell when you put a woman in a lift, you can see the women that are doing the, uh, people that are doing the diving or people who are um, um, a gymnasts. There's a place that your eyes look that carry, that will make your body turn or hold your body in certain positions. And so every single lift that we do, that woman has a place she's supposed to look. Mm. And if and if she holds that gaze, it'll lock that lift in. And I was tandem surfing, and I could feel this woman's eyes moving. Even though, you know, she's over my head and we're surfing, <laughs> I knew her eyes were looking down because I could feel her legs start to come down. I could feel a little bend in her back. And I said, look up, look up, because we were about to have a, a wipeout. And she looked up, and everything worked. And, and she said, how did you know my eyes were looking down? Well, um, it's the same thing. It's, it, it's where we put our focus. And what I've learned in dealing with these sorts of battles is it's one thing to try to suppress things. It's another thing to, uh, as Jesus said, um, Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. If you're spending time with Jesus, uh, uh, you know, your focus begins to be Jesus. When you spend an hour every day alone with the Lord in prayer, uh, your focus, the archery focus becomes Jesus. And when you're spending Mm -hmm. that sweet time in the morning with the Lord, you're like, well, I don't want to lose this by having lustful thoughts or something like that later on in the day. I don't want to lose this. And, you know, the thing is, is Mm -hmm. if we give our... If we give, uh, the only thing that we can really desire uh, infinitely is an infinite being, and that would be God. So let your target be Jesus. Increase your desire for God, and these other things will tend to uh, tend to fade away. But we you know we Amen. love your ministry. And what is, what is the website that people can can uh, get more information on this app? Yeah, KingDavidsRock.com. That's plural. KingDavidsRock.com. And you, check it out. We and, don't have anything up yet on Temple Bar because it's still the website. The uh, developers still have it, um, and we're looking to release it later this fall. But um, and it'll be it'll be a free app. It's not going to be something guys have to pay for. It'll all be sponsored. So, but I, what, I, um, we're. 
I love what yeah. you're doing with this, with this, with your ministry. You're doing this. You're gathering other men, and you're not focusing on this pornography thing so much as you're focusing on the transfiguration. You want to shine brighter than the sun uh, by by you know spending time with the Lord. Yeah. And so uh, that's... you said it to me, Bear. Uh, I don't know if you remember saying this in Kansas City. We were driving in the truck, and and you you nailed the answer without even knowing it. You said, you know. Uh, for guys that are looking to deal with pornography, replace it with a virtue. I don't know if you recall saying that. Maybe I haven't got to read your new book, but I'm sure you touch on that. Um, it's and that's that's precisely the answer. It's 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 refill what's empty with something that's pure, and uh, um, that's you know uh, exactly what we would teach them to do with Temple Guard and what you're teaching them to do with the virtues. And you know another part so, of the Temple Guard thing that came to my mind. Everything you say, it always triggers something else with me. Is remember in the, in the days of Nehemiah when they went to rebuild the temple walls? And when you read that story, uh, the first several chapters are just this family helped rebuild this wall, this family helped rebuild this wall. In other words, wherever their house was closest to, that's the part of the house they rebuilt. It was rebuilt by men leading their families to rebuild these walls. And, uh, but then, so it was family by family rebuilding walls. But, then, but, they, but it doesn't show, show that they spent a lot of time helping each other. But then they came under attack. And then what happened is every man that was building had a man standing next to him with a spear and a shield protecting him. And people who were carrying bricks to the workers carried the bricks with one hand and a sword in the other. And when there was a problem, uh, the, 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 uh, the horn would be blown and everyone would run to help that area of the people in the wall where people were trying to attack. And this is what I see in what you're doing right now with these men going up this mountain is – you're standing at the temple wall together, and you're rebuilding it as as heads of households, and you're rebuilding it with uh, with fraternity with your with the other men. So, uh, tell us a little bit more about your experience when you, when you got there to the bottom of the mountain. Uh, kind of start with us there. Well, we had uh, we had planned to do um, a, a full circle around this mountain, and. Um, um, in a you know four day fully supported backpack trip, and uh, that was the plan. And then on day five, we were going to be positioned to summit the mountain and do our thing on the top. And so, what happened was is uh, we go out the first two nights, and what we didn't realize was even though all of the geological surveys we'd done, the study, the preparation showed that it was a quote gradual grade from around 9800 where we parked to each of the stops each night, it actually was one of the most physical things any of us had ever encountered. We were going essentially uphill the first two and a half days and back downhill the other two and a half days till we got to the, the trailhead for the summit. And so what happened is we get out there and we missed our mark on the second night. And, uh, when you're backpacking, you know, you, you've got some some marks you have to hit in order to finish in time, and we were way off target. And ability-wise, um, we were traveling in about three separate ability groups, and of course I'm in the back because I'm not quite as in good a shape as I once was, along with a couple of others. And the faster guys, we catch up to them, we're talking over the radios, and they're, we've been hiking 13, 14 hours, and they are just livid at me and like, what are we doing here? This is too much. We didn't prepare for this, and uh, and the truth is, they were right. And uh, um, there was one um, actual professional mountaineer in the group who just happened to be part of our network. Who super great guy. He's a, he's a he reminds me a lot of you. He's done everything. He's a pilot, and uh, he pulled me aside. And he's like, "Yeah, he's, he's like, we're not going to make it on this route. We're going to have to." take a different path. And, uh, so we prayed and we talked and, uh, it was, it was, uh, got heated for a little bit, but it was all in love and in good fun. And, uh, and sure enough, we decided to, instead of continuing the full circumnavigation of the mountain to go back down the route we came and take a different route. And so it was a lesson in humility for me, for sure. And, uh, and it was also an experiential thing that, you know, we didn't have the experience needed to, to do the full 50 miles. And uh, But what happened was we ended up getting back and uh, we had some extra time to, to rest and prepare ourselves for the real reason we were there, which was the summit. And so there was a, a zillion stories of guys tripping and falling in the creek. One guy slipped in the chapel and, 
and uh, that was down by the river and lost his cell phone to the water. And uh, Oh, yeah, you know, cell, just, cell phones don't, you know. you know, it's funny, cell phones, I just thought it was ocean water they didn't like. They don't like fresh water. We're, talk, <laughs> we're talking with Tony Collins about his trek with uh, 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 ten, or, 10 or so other men up the Mount of the Holy, what is it, the Mount of the, of the Cross? Mount of the Holy Cross. Yeah, in Colorado. We'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Deep Adventure Radio, the bold standard in radio. Next time on EWTN Live, the new EWTN original production, The Inquisition, is coming soon. And Stefano Mazzeo has all the behind-the-scenes details and facts surrounding EWTN's newest miniseries. Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. EWTN Live with me, Father Mitch Pacwa, Wednesday night, 8 Eastern on EWTN TV and Radio. This is Matthew Bunsen, Senior Editor with the National Catholic Register and co-host of Register Radio with Jeanette DeMello. This weekend, I'll talk with EWTN's Vice President for Theology, Colin Donovan, on forming your conscience properly before you vote. Also, Register contributor Dr. Anthony Lillis tells us about the newly declared saint, Elizabeth of the Trinity. That's Register Radio, every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern and Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, here on EWTN Radio. Back to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak, suffering in paradise for you. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak, I'm your adventure guide. We have with us a good friend of mine, Tony Collins, as our co-adventure guide today. Aloha, Tony. Welcome to the show. Okay. So we've been we've been hiking with trekking with Tony today, as he and about a, a dozen guys uh, uh, left the flatlands of Kansas City area to go in a, a hike, um, uh, one of the highest mountains in, in the state of Colorado, over fourteen thousand feet. And you know, one of the things you were talking about, Tony, and I think this is really really important. You guys had a sense of God's will, and you knew it was God's will because you started. Calling your height, the Transfiguration Trek, and you talked about uh, shining bright as the sun, and then you, the day that you're leaving, the scriptures for Mass that day were, was that scripture about brighting, uh, you know, uh, being brighter than the sun. You knew you were in God's will, and yet you're you were off a little bit on your plan, and, and this is really important to hear. Um, you know, when I when I feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit, or I, let's say I feel a nudge to do something, I think it might be the Lord. It may not be, but I will start. I will start. And if God opens the doors, I know it's Him. And if He doesn't, then I just have no personal agenda. I let it go. And but what happens invariably, Tony, uh, is that as I begin to move, the plan begins to change. In other words, I go mm-hmm. I go to knock on this Amen. door and it, and it doesn't open. Uh, I walk up and there's a dead end. I go back and I come around the corner and there's a, and there's another whole beautiful vista God has for me. So often too is my vision isn't big enough. God keeps expanding it. But this beautiful lesson of humility that you're teaching us as you walked, your goal was to walk around the mountain once to kind of get in get acclimatized and in shape to go to the top of the summit, and that was going to take you four days. It was going to be about a fifty mile trek, and after the first day. You realized it was just too treacherous, and you're never going to be able to, you know, complete this on time. And you had the humility to go back, to retrace your steps, yeah. go back to where you went off track, and and retrace your steps. And 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 God had a whole nother way for you to do this. There's something about that, the humility it takes when we find we've gone the wrong way, to go back mm-hmm. where we left the path and start again. So many people uh, have left the faith. And they're wondering why their life is just so just a, a world of confusion. Go back to where you got a little bit off track. But those of you who are listening, I want there should be so many of you that are inspired by this to start your own trek, to get together with other men, to to venture, to do something that gives you guys a chance to uh, to have deeper fellowship and go deeper with the Lord. As you begin to do that, you might run into some dead ends or right into some speed bumps. Just keep going and be be responsive to the Holy Spirit, and He'll He'll lead you along a path that's going to be incredible. So talk talk to us about this the, the day of the morning of the summit and how that all went down. Yeah. Well, that was Friday. That was really, really well said. What you just illustrated. I wish I'd have been smart enough to say that on the mountain because that's so, so true. Go back to where, go back to where it made sense. Go back to the last place you heard God's voice. Um, and um, man, that was really good. Um, 
So the day of the summit, um, we are camped out now at about 12,000 feet. Now, I, I take that back. We're camped out at about uh, about 10.8, and uh, we've got to go to 14,000, and it's all vertical. And uh, if guys Google Mount of the Holy Cross, they'll see the mountain is kind of, it, it, it's shaped like an authentic, rugged, pyramidal-style peak. And um, the last 800 feet or so are, are difficult class two scrambling, they call it, which means you're on all fours, you're bouldering, there's no trail. And um, so it's a really difficult climb. But we started about four o'clock in the morning with our headlamps on. So you can envision a dozen guys zigzagging back and forth across the mountain uh, at dark. And these guys are singing, we're singing hymns, we're excited, encouraging one another, you know, doing chants, we're going to do this. Of course, we started every morning in prayer. And uh, in that morning, we started in, in a circle, and each and every guy got an opportunity to tell who they were climbing for, why they were climbing, why were they going to leave everything they had on the mountain and try to summit. And that was just one of the memory I'll never forget, just guys going deep into their spirits and, and telling why they're climbing. And so, sure enough, we set out, and we took a break about an hour in and got to watch the sun come up over the Rockies, you know, which is a miracle in and of itself. And uh, somewhere along in there is where we lost uh, lost a doctor uh, due to his inner ear issue. And then um, as a group, we made the decision to send him back to the mid-camp with a radio and wait on us there. And um and then we finished out the track, and uh, uh, we get to about 13, two or so, and a couple of other of the older guys really felt like they had reached their limit, and we gathered around them and prayed and encouraged them to go a few more hundred more feet. And lo and behold, a couple of hours later, there, there we all are standing on the summit of Mount of the Holy Cross, and it was really kind of surreal. You know, um, in in Scripture, the Transfiguration was this lightning bolt moment, and in this explosion of joy, and and this whole you know real pinnacle type feeling. We didn't really have that. I mean, we we did. We were hugging. We were celebrating. We were crying. We were embracing one another. But what we realized there was the whole mountain was the experience. Every step was the Transfiguration, and uh, he was in the little things from seeing the animals to the, 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 the rivers to all of it. And um, that was kind of my personal takeaway was that I need to look for God more in just the every single day things as opposed to just the mountaintop stuff. And uh, But, of course, you can see forever up there, and we had really good weather, and we just sit around and had a sandwich and, and jerky and enjoyed each other's company. Of course, that's when we read Matthew thirteen forty three. They'll shine like the sun, and it was a deeply fulfilling thing. And some of the guys, uh, the, the men, we just really grew close together. And I think now and we tease that you're teasing about this. Tony, don't ever ask me to come again. <laughs> I don't ever want to see a backpack or a trail or a trekking pole again. But just yesterday at church, I saw a couple guys, and and it's starting to wear off, and they're ready to talk about next year. So um, it was uh, really a blessed time, a sacred time. There was a father and son that got to go, and we got to witness them um, in some really sacred some sacred time they were able to spend together and around the campfire. And so I, I can't agree with you more, man. Just normal average guys, you don't have to have a ministry to do something like this. Pick up the phone, call three or four guys, pick out a place on the map, and let's say, let's go. And you do that, plus a fire, plus some daily readings, and you really got something. You don't, It doesn't take much more than that. So um, I, I echo what you're saying there, encouraging men to get out, get outside. Yeah, we need each other. Um, we need fraternity in this life when we're, we're made to look like idiots, uh, you know, clueless, <laughs> lustful, meaningless. Uh, we need each other. Uh, the world needs true masculine spirituality, and we need to— uh, <clears throat> experience that with each other and we need to to model it you know one of the things that uh one of the reasons why women love to listen to our show especially the younger women is they want to they want to see what um, what masculine spirituality even looks like so uh tony thanks for being on our show um you know you're, uh i want i want people to give you give people your website one more time sure thing it's uh, www.kingdavidsrock.com. Yeah, 
Yeah, so if you're interested in, in, in asking Tony for a few hints on how he pulled this off, how he could talk 11 guys from the flatlands of Kansas to, to hike a 14,000-foot <laughs> mountain, um, there's going to be something like that that you can do, and you should do it. You're feeling a nudge. You should do it. Don't don't hesitate. Amen. Don't wait till tomorrow. Make a phone call right after we, we get done with the show. Call a couple buddies and say, guys, we got to do something. And I would Amen. encourage people again, Tony, this book, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue, was designed exactly to be used in settings like that. So thanks, Tony, for being on our show. Hey, thanks for having me, Barry. God bless. Hey, what do I got to do to get my signed copy here? How does that work? It takes bribery. Hey, we'll talk, we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk offline, but, but my website's deepadventure.com. Uh, we'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. This is your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Surf's Up, real and radical ways to live your faith. Hello, this is Jesse Ray with CatholicSpeakers.com, and I'm here with the DeepAdventure.com Surf's Up segment. I just want to talk to all the young fathers out there today because I had an experience with my first son when he was about one year old. He was sitting in his high chair, and he had an orange segment that we'd just given him. And I'm a perfectionist. I grew up in a family that had a janitorial company, and I like to have things clean. So when my son started pressing his finger into that orange piece and juice started squirting out of it, my first reaction was to stop him, to get a napkin and to wipe it up and make sure that this kid stayed clean. But then I I held back and I realized that I myself knew what would happen when my finger pressed against an orange, that juice squirted out of little tiny membrane pockets that were filled with you know, liquid. And I realized that the only reason I knew that was because I myself had pressed on an orange piece before and juice had squirted out. So I just stood back and I watched my son and I had a smile on my face and I realized that I just needed to give him a little bit of room to explore his world just like I had and not have everything always perfectly clean around him. So I just want to encourage all you fathers out there, when you see your kids making a mess or doing something that you it starts to make you feel impatient, just uh, increase that time between stimulus and response. Take a moment, realize that maybe this is something that your child needs to learn. And it's just like that with God the Father. We are not robots. He gave us free will to make our own decisions, and we have to learn by experience how to step out in faith. And I'm not saying that we should be learning by experience all the ways to sin in life. I'm saying that we need to learn when God is calling us to do something and trust in Him and step out in faith. We might miss the target sometimes, but we get better with practice. This is Jesse Ray with Lighthouse Catholic Media. You can find me at catholicspeakers.com. And this is deepadventure.com, Surf's Up segment. Surf's Up. Go deep or go home. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. It's such a privilege to be able to say that. And it's so cool to see how many people, you know, write to us and let us know kind of the inspiration maybe we've given to them to take on a big adventure. You know, our creed here is that the most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. And I pray for you that your wildest dreams would come true. I pray that God would put into you new and right desires, that he would give you dreams and visions, that he would give you direction, that he would increase the charism in your life, that he would lead you uh, into service uh, in corporal and spiritual acts of mercy, that he would move you into the new evangelization and give you voice to share uh, the gospel. Go to our website, deepadventure.com. You can buy my new book, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue. It's a great play. It's a great book to share with your friends, and you can use it in your small groups too. And also, uh, you can... Click on the tab, Long Ride Home. You'll get to hear more about our great adventure. Seven of us are riding motorcycles into the Big Bend country of Texas. We're shooting a reality show with EWTN to talk about the interior life. And you can order all kinds of gear. You can order motorcycle uh, patches. You can order T-shirts, men's and women's clothes. Uh, We have a really cool web store. You can order Tom Sullivan's uh, Warrior Rosary there. Until next week, I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. This is Deep Adventure Radio. May the breath of the Holy Spirit aloha you. Aloha! This is Deep Adventure Radio. Hear archived shows, buy Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at deepadventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio. 